It's not getting it, getting it. Welcome everybody out there in podcast land. The Good Times with Good People Company proudly presents the Law Party Podcast, where it is always about good times, good people, and good talk. You can search for the Law Party Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and YouTube. You can also like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, or tweet us on Twitter. Good. Now that you've got your invitation, join us. Grab a cocktail, light a cigar, or whatever you like to smoke. Tell a friend and welcome to the party. I'm your host and moderator, Rio, and let's introduce today's panel. Our returning champions, of course, Chris O'Connor, co-owner of Liquid 9 Broadcast Media, and Dave Elliott, Big Dave, uh, the owner of CMP Construction, and the anonymous female, because she doesn't want you to know her name. And today, we're going to be talking about Loft Party's 2016 year in review and what a year it was (laughs) to say the least so uh let's take it let's take it back to the top of the year let's start with um because yesterday i just saw them um get kicked out of the playoffs let's start with super bowl 50 and the broncos versus the panthers um I'm sure that after that game, they probably saw themselves back at the Super Bowl. And uh, not even close. Not with the uh, uh, arse whooping that the, that the Chiefs put on them <laughs> yesterday. Especially when you let Don Terry Poe <laughs> do a jump shot, do a jump shot. <laughs> to a former basketball player in Demetrius Mr. Harris. Who dropped the ball <laughs> in the end zone before the series. Oh, that was funny. Catch that thing. And you, don't you know, don't you just know that it was just like, I'm going to stick this in your rear end and you don't <laughs> like it. Yeah, it was definitely. We do not like the Broncos. Anything yeah. we can do to embarrass the Broncos, I think it's a good thing for the Chiefs. Well, it was, it, it was definitely Chiefs, insult to injury. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. And, and, and anything we do to John Elway or as my beautiful wife refers to him as Chippy Chipmunk. <laughs> it's a good thing. All right, Jeffrey, Jim, no love lost there, right? No, there's none. Uh, I don't know that if I was the Broncos, I would expect to be back in the Super Bowl. Hmm. Uh, it's kind just, of a rare thing sometimes. Uh, you had a, an unknown quarterback, and yes, you did have a pretty stout defense, but you can't count on going injury free for two years, three years in a row in the NFL. It doesn't really work that way. And while I thought Simeon had a good year. It wasn't flawless years learning. Yeah. And it was his first first year really taking the range. Taking the so, range, yeah. I don't know. I would give him two to three years. But, you, again, they they mortgaged the farm on the salary cap, so you don't know how good they will be. And they lost yeah. a lot of guys due to that. So. This is very true. And yes, you can see. And I think anytime you have a keep to leave on your team and put them here with Chris Harris, those dudes are not dudes. No matter how talented they are, I would ever want on my team ever. And I think you saw when they got in the fight in the locker room. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just classic Akeem Talib. So, well, and that's Akeem like, Talib. This, this is from a KU guy. Yeah, yeah. Both of those dudes went to KU and were on the 2008 Orange Bowl team, and I can't see any of them. They're both thugs. 
<laughs> in the sense that they're just not good team guys. No. They're talented guys. Exceptionally yeah. talented. Two, two of the best corners in the league. Yeah. But they'll rip your team apart faster than anybody. And just not team players like that. I uh, think with the Carolina Panthers, that's a very, that's a very, very interesting dynamic there. Yeah. Cam Newton. I saw Cam Newton play in the national championship game for the junior colleges at Pitt State against Fort Scott Community College. And Buddy, my son, who I followed in football, played a line for Fort Scott. Mm. Fort Scott had a beat until the final 30 seconds of the game. And on a fourth <laughs> down, they had to punt. Instead of punting the ball out of bounds, the punter got rushed a little bit, freaked out, kicked the ball, and they returned the ball. Glenn College was who Cam Newton was playing for. Returned the ball all the way for a touchdown among blocks in the backs and holdings that we all saw that nobody <laughs> called. And for Scott Community College ended up losing the national championship to Cam Newton. And I was watching this game, and this is why I go back to it. Here is this individual who is obviously an unbelievable athlete, standing head and shoulders above all the other athletes on the field. Mm-hmm. And you could see the talent in him, but at the same time, he, he's... He's just almost a Jekyll high guy. Yeah. You know, and I think that has kind of carried on, not so much at Auburn, because Auburn had a lot of pieces around him. Mm-hmm. But when he has gotten to the Panthers, mm-hmm. if it's going good, man, that dude's on. He's going, if it's going bad, he just kind of turns the table again. And he just doesn't man. quite understand, I think, the steadiness consistency and personality that a quarterback leader has to bring to a team. You can't be too high, you can't be too low, yeah. you want to be enthusiastic. I mean, you look at Ben Roethlisberger, oh, yeah. who has similar size, yeah, yeah, ability yeah, yeah. to escape, you know, I don't think he runs near what, what Cam does. No, no. But he's a similar player, and Ben will get, you know, he'll get a little edgy, he'll pop up there, and he'll he dejected after a play, but he's right back after the next round. So I'm gonna beat your ass. Yeah, if you watch the Ravens happen. game, that's exactly what happened. Yeah, I think he's a scumbag. I'm not. Yeah, not wanting to talk about Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah, but, but yeah, but yeah, uh, off the field. I have saw no, I'm not a huge that. fan of him, but I'm talking the player himself. Yeah, I, I get it. I would say this. I think the NFL did Cam Newton no favors. I love him as a as a player. I like watching him. I think he reminds me so much of Michael Vick in the sense that. He's redefining a position in a new way. Yeah, true. But I thought the NFL brought a lot of this on themselves when they literally had his interview sitting across from Chris Harris's interview right after the game. And you got to think, you just lost the Super Bowl, and now you're hearing this guy chirp off about how overrated you were and how much they had a game plan. Well, I agree with that. I'd have been pissed. So that was the start of this year. And if you remember the start of the season, Mm -hmm. Denver did everything they could to knock him out of that game illegally. And there's no defense of it. And I guess the one defense I have heard that I semi-agree with is he's redefined the position to where they're calling running a lot of running plays for him, which turns you into a running back. You're no longer playing quarterback Quarterback, in the traditional sense. And the rules for the quarterback are there because you literally are defenseless and you're standing there. Right. You know, and you're letting 330-pound dudes jump on you. And you're like, oh, <laughs> God, you don't break your bones. That's why the rules are there. Right. They're not there for Cam Newton when he takes off with the ball like a running back Like a running back would. Or right. just knock the wind out of your head. 
Yeah. You know, when they land on you. That's, I think that would be the most difficult thing to have, not have the wind knocked out of you. That's yeah. why amazes me. Yeah. yeah, I've broken so many bones just from playing that stupid game. <laughs> and that's, that was the entirety of the game. It was, oh my god, I gotta throw up before a fat yeah, guy jumps Oh my god, this is going to kill me. I blew my, I blew my knees out playing line and everything else and wouldn't have traded a minute. Sure. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I know you would have too. But, you know, I can see Cam Newton's point. Like, yeah. He's in the pocket and they hit him in the head. Listen, come yeah. on, that's, that's clearly illegal. When he takes off running and they hit him in the head, you gotta be smarter than that. Yeah. So, and then it just went downhill. Yeah. Yeah. So they seem like another one whose locker room just kind of fell apart fell on Fell apart on them. Yeah, definitely. Right, so, 2016 in music. I didn't want to touch on a bunch of things, but there were two or three things that I thought were were uh, notable to mention anyway. Uh, one, uh, uh, as she was when she released her last album, uh, Adele uh, is the number one selling artist in music currently. Um most artists can't seem to sell past gold, let alone platinum. And of course, uh, if you're listening uh, outside of America, gold in America is 500,000 copies, platinum is a million. Um, and she sold four or five million, which is almost unheard of. Anymore uh, to do that. Anymore, yeah. But she appeals to an older audience. As yeah, well as exactly. Audience. Yeah, she's one of those rare artists that. Uh, generationally, well, she's a true talent. Yeah, but you know, it's it's rare to have an artist that really does appeal to more than one generation of, of fans. You know, because I mean, the, her her style of song uh, writing and the types of songs that she sings um, really are kind of ageless, sure. and uh, and which is of course. Mm-hmm. Done her nothing but good. You may think this is a funny comparison, but I can think of two R&B people, old school, that I can compare to her right off the bat. One being the Queen of Soul and Aretha. Yeah. Who came out at the Grammys because the opera singer couldn't be Could, there couldn't and be sang there. opera. Yeah, and killed it. And yeah. killed it. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the other one being Marvin Gaye. You know what? My personal favorite. Uh, I'm Marvin Gaye. Jesus my Marvin personal Gaye. favorite uh, singer, probably of all time. Uh, personal uh, proclivities aside, just musically, I loved Marvin Gaye's music. Uh, they 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 constantly were able to. They had the vocals. They had the writers behind them. Of course, they had the bands behind them. But they would come out with different type styles all the time. They were constantly evolving themselves. Mm-hmm. And I think Adele has that type of talent. I think she can. Yeah, I just think it's less about talent now. Because oh, okay. I think there are, we could throw out any number of multi-generational appealing acts. What's amazing about what she did is in a world where nobody purchases music anymore. Right, you just yeah. don't you buy You got people music. to buy. When Marvin Gaye and Aretha Franklin were at their peak, people were buying records. Yeah. Then they were buying CDs, they were buying it. Yeah, you know, and yeah. nobody does that. And anymore. in a generation, yeah, where nobody's yeah. purchasing. Did anybody catch Tony Bennett's 90th birthday party on TV? I got on my DVD. I haven't watched it yet. Let me tell you, that's something. I'll tell you, there's another lady out there that Tony has influenced in particular. That is, has changed her way and changed her style a little bit, and let her true talent come out. Lady Gaga. 
I was going to say Katie Lang as well. You go back to Katie oh, Lang. Oh, yeah, so Katie Lang. Yeah. They both did. If you remember, Katie Lang just, just blew away, man. I mean, but she's no Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga is in a stratosphere by herself, and she gets up there and uses her true singing voice and sings. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm going to be she interested. Did, she did an Italian aria. I didn't know what the name of the song was, but I'm going to be interested to see what her sales, oh, what her sales look like in another couple of months. Plus, she's uh, wearing a slinky black dress and everything's hanging out. It looks real good. <laughs> <laughs> she can, well, that, Sorry, that, not that, female. I think, actually, <laughs> I think that I like the Italian girls. You know how I am. It, work, it works against her in a lot of ways because I think that keeps her audience these young, yeah, uh, younger people who have zero interest in buying music. In fact, there was a famous story about how she was the number one streaming artist on Spotify and just had millions of streams and yeah. got a, just a ridiculous check for oh, yeah. like a couple hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. It was like a nothing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's just, it pointed out that you get a fraction of a penny on a stream. Yeah. Uh, versus, you know, obviously you were getting, well, she writes a lot of her own music, so she would have got both artists and performance royalties. Exactly. Plus, she would have got publishing royalties. Exactly. So she would have been killing it. She probably would have been getting about seven bucks a CD mm-hmm. uh, on an average $15 sale. And so. You know, it, the economics are not the same. Yeah, Paul McCartney just is not, not a billionaire if he's out right If now. he came out today, no. Right. But uh, actually touching on the streaming thing, that's actually the second thing under the music industry that I want to talk about, and uh, and in particularly about streaming. Um, Drake has become the number one streamed artist uh, of, of the history of streaming. Really? Um, yeah, his um, the album he's got out, now um, views um, uh, has cracked a billion streams. Wow. Just just that album, and so and then on top of that, he was he was running second or third in the stream game anyway. Um, so now he's the number one streamed artist of all time. He's number one streamed on Spotify. He hit the number one streamed on Spotify, and then. Closely thereafter, he was he hit number one strength of all time. So, Wait, so when you say album, does that mean any song on the album that got streamed once counts as an album stream, or so they stream the entire album? No. Um, so you've got some songs that you know the singles were streamed ridiculous amounts of times, right, but the saying. actual Is it a collection of all the singles streams that you put together and got a billion streams. Or did no, the, the actual the, the actual entire album was streamed, was streamed a billion times. Like that was just that was nuts. Because like I said, once again, in a in a in a kind of a singles driven uh, marketplace. Hey, you're back to the fifties and sixties. Yeah, yeah, where you actually well, no. are getting album artists again. Yeah. You know, and that's by pretty forty fives. My my wife and I talk about all the time. Mm-hmm. We used to buy forty fives. And sometimes the B-side ended up being a hit. Sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't until 60, probably 66 when Pet Sounds came out that people started yeah. really investing in full-length films. She, she actually said her, really first, buying albums, yeah. her first turntable was a little red turntable. It just had a little 45 turntable on mm-hmm. it, as she was talking about. And she'd put her, buy her 45s and put them on there. And Oh, yeah. That's, that's what she sat around listening to all day was yeah. playing 45s on it. Sure. Yeah, and uh, the last thing I want to mention, uh, from the music side anyway, um, was somebody that I talked about on uh, a few of the first uh, of the Love Party podcasts, and he's turned out to be uh, one of the bigger artists of the year, having um, a massively successful... Uh, album that's pure stream, like it's not even for sale, 
uh, and um, he had a project with, he has a band, and the band's called Socks, which is the social experiment, um, and they put out a project under the Socks banners, Donnie, Donnie Trumpet and the Social Experiment, that was actually the first project that uh, iTunes put out that was uh, completely for free and, and uh, a stream only project. But I am talking about Chance the Rapper. Uh, he, uh, he went from, you know, this underground hip hop guy that, you know, I was really kind of interested in because he was doing really cool, interesting, really positive music until he wasn't doing gangster rap or anything no 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 super positive matter of fact what i would call progressive rap yeah well no this is what's interesting about chance so you remember um uh, who am i who am i trying to uh ray charles so remember when ray charles was out and um it was really blasphemous at the time because his mixture was r&b and gospel um, they slid in the country. Well, yeah, he wanted to be a country, but right. chances. He got upset. Yeah. He got upset because he was singing gospel ish. Yeah. yeah, and chances yeah. blend is kind of a hip hop and gospel blend. It's not necessarily, you know, Christian music, but it's definitely uh, pop. It's definitely positive uh, for the most part. And um, he's act, he's one of the very few actually completely independent artists. There's a lot of artists that they do have um, major label money behind them, but you know they claim to be independent, especially in the in the hip hop world. They kind of claim to be independent, but there's really real in, there's real major money behind them. I think that on the distribution side, and I think there there's a lot of hip hop artists and and. I mean, I would throw out a tech as one where they are oh, yeah, completely in strange music is a completely independent. Yeah, album no, in terms yes, of making the content. Yes, but they do have a distribution. Yes, distribution deal with deal. universal. Yeah, and with Chance uh, because he's made the decision not to sell albums. You know, he's making his money purely on streams, concerts, and merch. That'd be uh, hard. That'd yeah. Be so hard. But for for him, it's working. I don't know if that could work for everybody. But for him, it's working, and it's working really well. I mean, he's done SNL twice. He was... He was uh, phenomenal on the Christmas one. Yeah, yeah. He was yeah, he done SNL twice. He he did the uh, Ali tribute on the, on the ESPYs. I mean, he's just had an incredible year. And uh, it's... It, it was just one of those things that I remember the first maybe four or five episodes of the podcast. I remember mentioning, you know, hey, if you get a chance to hear this kid, you know, and uh, so to watch him come into his own and and get mentioned by, uh, you know, some of the heavyweights in the industry as, you know, yeah, Kanye, I remember one of the award shows or whatever said, you know, that... That chance is the future of, of rap music. And speaking of Kanye, you cannot mm-hmm. let this go no. without speaking of your favorite subject in Kanye yeah. and the year that he had, which was such a topsy turvy year. Yeah. And then at the very end of it, yeah, fascinating yeah. to go up and meet he, with Trump. Uh, man, it's he. Yeah, he definitely had. A, you know, he, he stepped, more than he really year. stepped out. 
He had more than an interesting year. I mean, he began the year with a wildly successful streaming album because he, he decided to do a non-physical uh, sales or not even an MP3 sales. He decided to go... I think he went with MP3 sales very briefly, like a month, and then decided, no, I don't want to do that. And actually had one of the higher streamed albums of the year, Life of Pablo. Um, and uh, as the year went on... Um, it, between personal issues and the Kardashians, yeah, yeah, which is always going to bring it. That's the extra play on him. Well, you know the dealing the, with that. Yeah, you know the interesting thing is I just found out uh, a couple weeks ago. You know, I don't know if the Kardashians themselves were even his problem. He was he he had a cousin, first cousin. On top of that, that. Uh, was suing him, um, was threatening to release like some old, like an old sex tape or something. And like he had to pay the cousin like a quarter of a million dollars to to not release the sex tape. And just, so I think this breakdown we saw at the end of the year, you know, is, uh, of, of Kanye's is, uh, I was thinking when you're, as big as he is, as ubiquitous as he is, as famous as he is, and uh, the, and then you realize there are very few people in the world you can you can actually trust. And at this point, your mother, being the one person you knew you could trust, is, is passed away, and now your family, family, you realize that you you can't trust because they're suing you for money. Um, you're the only people you're left to turn to, to your point, uh, is your wife's family. But your wife's family happens to be the Kardashians, and that uh, is not necessarily conducive. <laughs> not to, what I would call a good support base. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, a little too self centered. Well, the thing with the Kardashians is you're seeing their their edited public reality TV selves. You don't know anything about them privately. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, because they produce their own show, you only know what they show. Yeah, I mean, mean, we we talked about that, about how reality TV isn't really reality TV. It's all edited. Well, let, let me back up a little bit here on his wife. It's not true that she constantly posts Post pictures of herself all day long. Uh, yeah, but but, but that, I mean but I don't know. She is no, a it's model, true. not it's, like a supermodel runway model, but she is a model. I understand. <laughs> and she has a makeup line, yes. a clothing line. Yes. You know, a shoe line. I mean, she ha- she has to do self promotion. But I will say this: but that she, is no different than anybody else in her generational block. I will say this: like my little my my little brother. Cedric. Love you, Cedric, if you listen. I can't go down my Facebook feed without seeing five selfies a day. From Cedric. My my daughter, yeah. There's going to be at least two selfies from my daughter, maybe three. There's going to be at least five, maybe six or seven from my little brother Cedric. So I just think that's, that's generational. 
That's you what know they do. Okay. Y'all. Yeah. I mean, I I personally am don't, don't selfie on that level, <laughs> but uh, but there's a lot of people that do, and I think the younger, if you're probably thirty ish and younger, you selfie a lot. Well, and one thing I can say about her is, you see a lot of pictures of her, but you don't see a lot of pictures of her posting her children. Most of the ones you see of her children are... Paparazzi. uh, Right. So she's not... She's self-promoting and doing what she does, but she's not... You know, blasting her family yeah. shit out there for everybody to see. Now, but I will, I will say this. I will say this. I will say this. I will say this in defense of, I don't understand of, it of kind of your point. Um, I think if you're not emotionally strong, the Kardashian world may be just too much for you, and not and not because they're bad or doing anything bad, but I think when you're in the spotlight on the level that they are. If you're not emotionally capable of handling it, it, it will burn you up. You it know, will the, overwhelm you. The light is a little bright. Well, I, I mean, mean look, at, look at Rob Kardashian. Look at Bruce Jenner. Yeah, I mean, you can't create your own world and then bitch about the world. No, like no, I, I agree. Well, and you she's not. The universe and feed into it. Yeah, she yeah. feeds into it constantly. I mean, no, that's, she's that's not bitching not. about it. No, I don't think she is yeah. either. Uh, but I do find it interesting if, like, when some of the other people do bitch about it, I mean, what, a, again, golden rule, you don't have to look, you can turn off the TV, you yeah. can yeah. you you're, the, you're the power of the remote, yeah. yeah, the worst thing in the world that ever happened to that show was the ratings, it just dipped like crazy, Yeah, you know, people, it's just, you gotta draw a line of where the overexposure is, and, yeah. you know. Well, you know, it's funny, you know, the, the, the Kardashians, uh, and once again, I, I am not one of the people who kind of condemn them on on any level but they um they you know there was a line in one of the batman movies you know that you know you either die the hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain and i think that is what what has happened to the kardashians they've lived so long in in the you know i mean they're on what season nine or ten yeah like in most reality shows just don't last that long. Well, not they're, not they're their just, type of reality show. a small bar and it's sponsored. And they have a lot, of, a lot of other things going in their favor. But I would say, this is all I would say in terms of how well they've done it. Mm-hmm. That there's four people sitting around on a Monday night at 7 o'clock or 6 or whatever. Just exactly. Talking about it. Exactly. Talking about them. I, I, I think I you're I guarantee you there's nobody in L.A. at 6 o'clock. <laughs> talking, talking about, about any other four months. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Right, so uh, let's move on. Let's go to uh, the Olympics. Um, there was a lot of uh, highs and lows in the uh, medal counts. Uh, we saw. Uh, I keep wanting to say. Um, Lochte. Uh, no, the gymnast, the girl gymnast. I keep wanting to say. Oh oh oh. Gabby oh. Gifford. Or the new one. I the, the new one. Yeah, I keep oh, wanting I to say I keep wanting name. to say Gab Gabby, but I'm I'm thinking of the. No, it's not Gabby. It's, it's, it started with a D, didn't it? Uh, Dominique. Dominique. Yes. Yeah. Dominique Lewis. No, 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 no. From the uh, the. No, the, that's the basketball. The the gymnast. Is she the gymnast? Yeah. Little tiny. No, no, Wilkins. That was he was in Atlanta basketball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he was a Hall of Famer. I don't know if he ever made Hall of Fame. I think he made College Hall of Fame. 
Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, I think yeah. it was college. I, thought, I think he just got into CBE. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, from, you know, kind of, what were they, the Fab Four or Five this year? No, five. they were the final five. Well, they were phenomenal. Um, this year, and they, they, they did some phenomenal, uh, gave us some phenomenal things Moshiano? to watch. Moshiano, that girl? No, no. Look, look. Uh, I, don't, I don't watch the Olympics. Yeah, no. Simone Biles is. Yes, Simone, Simone Biles. Simone Biles. Simone Biles. That's it. I'm thinking. Uh, I'm thinking. Dominique. Who was? Who was Dominique? Oh, yeah, Dominique I mean, was. was, was, um, that, that, was, was that was the Olympics that before was when last. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, was, she was very good. Also, Dominique. Yeah, that was, that was wild, when yeah. our. That was. Yeah, was when she, what's her name hurt her foot? Mm. Yeah. And she, she still did her ball. Dominique was in that group. She was a badass. Yeah, so from the final five, just putting on a dazzling performance for us, and of course, uh, the United States, you know, being one of the leaders in the medal count. Um, but I think the thing that we, we, and I mean, uh, just about everybody <laughs> left the Olympics with uh, getting back to what you were about to say uh, was uh, Lochte. <laughs> well, the, the Olympics in general were so um, exposed from the Zika virus exactly. to the just setting up the whole Olympic village the, to the, the sewage. Yeah, to yeah, yeah, yeah. Russia's oh, yeah. doping scandal yeah, not, and not being, being removed compete, from the Olympics yeah. to Ryan Lochte. I mean, it, it in some ways overshadowed all the really great moments. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I found something interesting because, you know, the hype of, before the Olympics where they said some in the rowing and, and, you know, when they were doing all the events they had in the lagoon that was supposed to be so polluted. Mm-hmm. And they said some people pre-Olympic had gotten sick. Mm-hmm. But I never heard the media talk about anybody after the Olympics that people got sick. No, and they, they came back and said they they hadn't. I mean, now, if, if anybody is following up on it, because so much other shit has happened in the world in the news world. since then. Well, the village wasn't ready. But, I mean, they no. had major no. problems with the village. Yeah. That, was, that was the biggest problem. This See, you, athletes you, really didn't have good places to stay at. You were no. supposed to be there wood framing that. <laughs> well, th- well, they framed it. But, uh, they <laughs> framed it right in front of a bunch of raw. Well, the sewage. framing was good. The plumbing sucked. <laughs> right. Exactly. Well, uh, but yeah, it was it like, was... I could say that for. Yeah. I'm sticking up for my industry. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, if they are Brazilian carpenters. They're probably good carpenters. Actually, yeah. probably yeah. brought a bunch of people in from. <laughs> From other countries to build oh, that thing. Absolutely. You know, I bet you they did. Absolutely. Yeah, 2016 saw quite a number of, uh, of RIPs this year. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to read through this list and then we can comment on anybody we want to comment on. But, uh, you know, I'll start with uh, probably for me uh, the biggest, uh, biggest one being Muhammad Ali. Absolutely. Um, uh, Prince. Uh, David Bowie uh, just just uh, yesterday uh, George Michael uh, Arnold Palmer uh, Gene Wilder uh, Alan Rickman and if, uh, for those who don't know their name right off if you saw the Harry Potter movies 
Uh, he was Professor Snape. Die Hard. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Die Hard. Yeah, the villain from Die Hard. He was excellent in Die Hard. That was Die Hard. That was the first Die Hard. Yeah, yeah. Great. Yeah, that was awesome. Chief Justice Antonin Scalia, Gary Shandling, Janet Reno, John Glenn. For those of you out there who don't know your history, he was the first man to orbit the Earth. And if you don't know your history and you also you're curious. a senator for many, many years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, very true. Mm-hmm. If you don't know your history and you're curious, uh, the movie uh, Hidden Figures uh, talks about not only um, his mission, but the people behind his mission mm-hmm. that created the math that allowed him to orbit the Earth. The movie coming out. Yes, the movie yeah. coming out. Um, Harper Lee, um, to, uh, the writer of To Kill a Mockingbird. Um, just just to name a few because they were actually Alan Thick. Uh, yes, and uh, and Absolutely. Alan Thick. Yes, uh, I have a uh, I have a personal R.I.P. today. Mm. I have Nanny M. from Kansas, and you know that goes back all the way to Wizard of Oz and everything else. But my Annie M. I was a this uh, a a, mis- a little bit of a mistake and early arrival in my mother and father's life. What's supposed to happen at the time I happen, ah. and my Annie M is my. There's three sisters in the Brady gang, obviously the Irish side of the family, and they all grew up on a turkey farm outside of Paola, Kansas. And so Annie M's the youngest, and she ran into health problems in her latter years, and she passed away yesterday on Christmas. No, oh, But Annie M took care of me when I was a little baby, and so I've always had a little bit of a special bond now. So this shout out to Annie M. She was a good Catholic woman. She was very liberal. She had a lot of compassion in her heart. We would argue about clean energy quite a bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Arguments on coal, the coal power plant out in Kansas right. were, were somewhat epic. And <laughs> but she she was just a good, loving person. Um, she went through a lot of things in life, uh, uh, including my cousin's suicide. So she dealt with some difficult things and and a divorce in a Catholic church, which is difficult to deal with. So uh, just a little shout out to my Annie M. She was a good woman. And uh, in the Catholic religion, if you die on Christmas, you don't go to purgatory, you go straight to heaven. All right. That's so sweet, bro. So I think Annie M. went straight to heaven. All right. Our condolences to you. Indeed. All right. Uh, Anybody else we want to... uh Talk anything about on the RIP list? Any uh, any uh, memories or thoughts on any on any of those people or uh, people that uh, I may have forgotten? It's an incredible list, but Muhammad Ali just certainly does jump right off yeah, the page. Yeah, yeah, you can't get around that one. Yeah, it was uh, you know that you know like I say for me um, that that and then probably that then Prince probably being the next um, you know that. That I personally felt. Well, and I think most of that list of, you know, we probably all grew up with that list heavily. I mean, except for Arnold Palmer. Yeah. I mean, not that he wasn't. Hey, I grew up with Arnie. I well, was Arnie. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm not a golf fan. You know, I mean, I shouldn't say I'm not a golf fan. I don't golf. But. You know, I mean, most of those, you they in some way have probably well, affected all of us. One of the coolest point. courses I play when I go down to Florida is at the World Golf Hall of Fame. 
Mm -hmm. And it's a course, the only course, that Jack Nichols, who has designed many, many, many courses, and Arnold Palmer designed a certain amount of courses himself, and was an avid pilot. Mm. And he flew around the world on his own personal jet several times. Mm. I mean, it, just, just to do it. He was really into his jets. Um, it's called the King and Bear. King and Bear. That's Arnold, cool. Arnold yeah. Palmer was there the king, Jack Nichols is the bear. And Where was it? And it's, this is St. Augustine. Ah, and, okay. it's, and it's set off at back in the Lolly Pines. It has these huge waste areas, and it's just a cool golf course. Wow. And, awesome. and every time, you know, everybody when they come down to our house at Point of Beaver at Sawgrass wants to go play the Tournament Players course, which is outrageously expensive. It's like $325 for a round in prime Ooh. time. And quite frankly, I'm, I'm a hack. I'm not that good to play that <laughs> You know, I have enough trouble playing my own course at Sawgrass. But we can go play the King and Bear for, you know, 125 if you get ahead on it, or at the worst, 150, 175, which is still expensive, but a treat. All right. All right. But a treat. And golf, the, the thing that's hard to understand about golf is that golf is a beautiful sport. Because when you stand up on a tee and you're looking down this fairway and you got mountains or ocean or pines or this beautiful green fairway in front of you. It's a truly beautiful sport. There are tees that you've never been on before when you play a new course and you go, man, that's a hell of a hole. That thing is beautiful. So golf is a beautiful sport in that aspect. It's a visual thing. And desert, let me, I can't forget the desert. The desert courses are just phenomenal in their view that you have. Mm -hmm. Or Hawaii or someplace like mm -hmm. that. So, you know, that's, well, I that's what a lot it, of people don't understand about golf. They think we're crazy. No, I don't think you're crazy we at all. We are crazy. We're trying to hit this little white ball and make it go straight. It doesn't I think it right takes well. a lot of skill. I, I truly do. and I, I. But I've just never had the opportunity to learn how to play. But if you if you look at it in that aspect, I don't think mm -hmm. a lot of people understand the, why so many golfers are fanatic in that way. It's mm -hmm. just not always about the game. It's about where we're playing. Mm -hmm. And we're outside. Yeah. That'd be nice. And it's kind of the only sport that you you get to play yourself. Yeah, you know, I, I would I would like, feel that you, like, you're, like playing you're playing yourself, yourself and the course. You're not necessarily playing. Well, sometimes you're the competing against the fellow man too. Yeah, yeah well, you're competing because you want you know everybody's trying to get their score, but it really is a truly individual sport, and that's the thing that I that I've always liked about golf. I've always learned that the guy. Rise in front of me before I hit the ball. I just hit him in the back of the head. And kind of minutes the game. <laughs> you know, that's the football mentality. Hey, you know, and, you know I've, I, I've advocated for tackling guys when they're trying to hit, but I never <laughs> get there either. Doesn't yeah. have it yet. Not yet. See, so that'd be Chris's game. Chris, there, Chris and I can play match play that way and do very well. I think. It's the only way we'd win. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, next on my list, um, before I bring it stateside, is Brexit. Uh, Brexit. Okay. You know, I, uh, you know, I think, you know, with everything that was going on in our uh, political climate uh, at home, you know, I think we saw the precursor to to it with Brexit. You know, I think... You know, I think worldwide there's, you know, a frustration being felt by by people that, you know, they're kind of tired of the way that the current institutions are 
are doing things or handling things and uh, and and they want change. You know, actually, it was a good quote we heard earlier was, um, I'm not 100% sure that people know what they want to change from or what they want to change to, but they know they want change. So we're just going to change. And, uh, <laughs> and, of course, when you have that, that type of frustration, but it doesn't have a direct focus, um, you get things that are unprecedented happening like Brexit where you know you know Britain decides to leave the European Union or stateside um, the uh, hilarity uh, that was the uh, election season in the United States you know and with that let's go back to the primaries (laughs) Where, go back to the what? To the primaries. And uh, so I remember thinking, you know, at the be- toward the beginning of the, of the primaries, that there was not enough competition on the Democratic side. But, you know, I also figured that the Democratic Party had probably figured that it was probably just Hillary's turn. Because so they were preordained to who she was. Well, I think they thought it was her turn when uh, Obama ran, but he he was a better candidate and and he won. You can go back to John McCain on the Republican Party in two thousand eight. Yeah, yeah, same thing. Yeah, so I, yeah, yeah, it was yeah. His, it was his turn. You know, they kind of looked yeah, at and, his I, turn. and I think and, and I think and he, and he blew it huge. And I think that's kind of I, I, I'm I hate that I think that it's true, but I think. That our political parties have kind of gotten to that place where they're thinking, well, such and such has waited long enough. It's their turn. This isn't a new thing. No, it's not a new thing. But I, but what I found interesting was on the Democratic side, it was her turn. But on the Republican side, what did you have? Like 13? Six, or 16. Yeah, like, like <laughs> 16 people vying for the for. For the Republican nomination, and uh, and uh, as I called it toward the beginning, uh, the Republican field, you know, and and truly no disrespect for the Republican in the room, but I felt like it was just a parade of fuckery. I did not understand how any of those candidates were qualified or ready to hold the highest office in the land. Uh, and some of them were just downright wacky to me. Well, on, on the Republican side, I can't disagree with you. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 it was interesting. I, I, I will tell you this. I've been reflecting a little bit, and, and I went back to George Orwell a little bit. Mm. And I'm going to... A book that was required reading when I was in school, that I'm certain is not required reading now, is Animal Farm with George Orwell, which I think came out in 47 or 46. Mm. Hmm. I don't, yeah, I don't even know if it's on the reading list anymore. Yeah. I, I would encourage people in podcast land to download, and I'm going to download it again, Animal Farm by George Orwell. And what, was the, what was the book about? The, the book was, a, was, was a, as he called it, a fairy tale. And it was about animals. Mm-hmm. And the best quote I can give you is that all animals are created equal except for a few. Hmm. And the few were the pigs. Hmm. And the pigs ended up, all animals walked on all fours. Okay. Okay. 
But the pigs ended up walking upright and became the controlling party and then started exerting <laughs> that they were better than the sheep. They were better than everybody else. And of course, the sheep were in main play because obviously, right. you know, you see that. I encourage you to go read the book again because it's a very, very interesting thing of, of what's happened with Brexit. Mm -hmm. That's what's happened with Trump is that the ruling parties and started considering themselves too elite. And this is, in my opinion, what has brought on what we're seeing right now, what brought on an exit. Brexit be, became, Brussels became too elite. Brussels started controlling all of Europe. The elites that were running Brussels, do you agree with that, Chris? No, I think Germany runs yeah, the, Germany yeah. and the, but Germany. Yeah, I think yeah, the controlling of, of, of Europe was, it was in Brex, Brussels. That's like saying... That was your governing body of Europe. And, and yeah. then it, it's kind of the same thing here where on the coast, those elites with the elite education and went into bureaucratic jobs very quickly and never worked in in major jobs or major corporations, all of a sudden start holding themselves in extreme high, highest, you know, high quality and high estate where they were, and, and opinion. And they literally forgot the rest of the people out here. I'm gonna throw out an alternate version, which I think uh, will play true over time. If you're looking at where these things are happening, you're looking at, uh, for lack of a better term, first world countries, where mm -hmm. uh, they cannot afford the manufacturing. And the ones who are really fighting, Brexit is <clears throat> an example, Trump's winning, if you look at the states that were pivotal in winning, mm -hmm. were manufacturing jobs that were lost. Yes. And I think these people are butting their heads against the wall, wishing they could turn back time to a different era when that was going to be affordable and actually work in the states, and it's not. And there are people who are horrific about adapting to change and not understanding that the world's different than it was yeah. and uh, need to catch up with the times because this is a, a losing argument to say that we're somehow going to get manufacturing back in, in England or in America yeah. or any of these places. It, we are yeah. not. Yeah, just, it, just from an economic standpoint, what you'd have to pay, you know, less... less I'll give you an example, $7,000 per employee to keep them in the States. I mean, you have a you have a concrete example in Indiana with Carrier, yeah. you know, where they paid literally seven thousand dollars per employee to keep them in to the keep, United to States. To keep the job in the it States, it does not work. It cannot work. It's unsustainable. And yes, you can tap into that anger very easily because you have a lot of people who uh, are afraid of their current situation. Maybe they were in manufacturing for a long time and that's closing down and they're finding themselves without a job. Yeah. And while that and sucks... And haven't updated that, their and, skills. And, and it is not that I don't have empathy for those people. What I'm saying is it's a changing world. It, the world is a very, very, very different place. Yeah. No, I, I, I actually agree. I think that, uh, you know, if you... Let's, let's, let's say, like, Ford or something like that. You know... I, I could foresee easily, you know, when you have to pay people between 20 and $30 an hour, that um, that just is going to become untenable for any company that manufactures something that, uh, that could be manufactured elsewhere cheaper. Hey, what's going on, podcasters? Let's acknowledge the good friends of the Law Party Podcast. 
the majestic restaurant and Pendergast Club carrying on Kansas City's tradition of great food and great jazz, 931 Broadway in Kansas City, Missouri. The J. Rieger Kansas City Distillery. Whiskey, gin, vodka. That is oh so good. And friend of the podcast and panelist, Lane Bolin, managing to keep the podcast going. Apparently, wealthy or not. Now onto our regularly scheduled program. You know, the problem is like in your industry, I think it's a good example of an industry that, you know, it, it has to be built here. So it has to be built here and I have to pay them yeah, a, a, a reasonable wage in order to do the job because yeah, it's just like what I, I mean, if you think if, now, because uh, let's reasonable for, wage is the tricky part. That's the tricky part, because let's say the same jobs, let's say you were only able to pay nine or ten dollars an hour. You know, but I said, how difficult would it be to amass the crews necessary? There would be nobody in the industry. Exactly. And that's the problem with just about the rest of the manufacturing. And we're we're having trouble. We're having trouble as it is getting people into the industry. And then you you turn around and with the fast food workers want their $15 an hour minimum wage. Well, let's let's look at the effect on that. I hire... An entry level at twelve dollars an hour. Yeah, if absolutely. You're, if you're a veteran, which is Connor Bowen, I just hired recently. I I pay them a dollar more than I hired. I paid him a thirteen. He's a vet. But the problem is the inherent inflation that comes along with it. So you pay a kid at McDonald's fifteen bucks an hour, all of a sudden you're paying everything five else has to go back. up with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, and exactly. Nobody's willing to do that. So they're pissed off that McDonald's raised their prices when all of a sudden they don't realize the cost of labor went up tremendously. <laughs> tremendously. tremendously. And, 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 and it, this doesn't go in the fast food industry. It'll be effect across the board. Of course. Well, you uh, know, and as I do believe, uh, which wasn't on my list, but I, I, I think it all bears together. You know, as I do believe uh, the uh, well, that's a minimum. issue. Yeah, I think the minimum wage does need to go up. Fifteen dollars an hour uh, is just untenable for yeah, any it, industry. It, 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 you know, if you're going to pin out a protest and an argument, mm-hmm. then these, I'm a realist because I deal with reality every day in business. Yeah, you have to be realistic about it. Yeah, I mean, yes, you can live on fifteen dollars an hour. The problem is uh, now you have to raise your employees to fifteen dollars an hour, and and, and, and if I have the option of uh, flipping a burger or swinging a hammer for the same fifteen an hour. You're gonna, you're gonna you, flip the burger. You're gonna flip the right, and and that's why I say I don't think fifteen is even uh, a number we should even be thinking about. And then let's look at another factor here. Unless all salaries are going to be raised, mm-hmm. which would make basically make that fifteen dollars an hour move. Well, let's, let's look at a simple factor here because I've had to deal with this where I've hired young men out of inner cities and I couldn't give them to work no more than 23 hours a week because mm-hmm. they're on the government stipend. So if you're paying 15, are you really going to get them off the stipend? I don't think so. They're going to work less because they can only make X amount of dollars. You know, until we can turn around and realize you're going to pay these tip people a stipend anyway. Good. Pay them 40 hours a week well, and let them get that stipend at the same time until... It becomes, a, you know, give them a period of time to do this. And then, all right, we're going to take you off the stiffen now. You're working a 40-hour week. 
It's time for you to stand on your feet. True welfare reform. True welfare reform to try to get people off welfare. I've been on this. This is the thing I, I firmly believe in my heart. Uh, that this is the way you raise people up, not, not keep them where they are. It's time to raise people up. You really want to make a difference, you raise people up. It's a complicated situation. It's a very complicated situation. It'd be very hard to do because this is generational. And well, it's not and just a black thing, it's a white thing too. Well, this is across the board. Yeah, people, like fast food industry was not meant to be a career. Oh. It's meant to be a high school starting out job to get work experience. I work with Sonic. You know, retail, <laughs> fast food, all the stuff like that. It's, it's not food. meant to be, you shouldn't think that you could support a family. Mm -hmm. On that, I worked at High Beat for a buck seventy-five an hour. That was minimum wage back in that day. Yeah, I guess my bigger issue. I got raised to two fifty. Until I started messing with the boss's daughter, and then I got fired. <laughs> when you but, set up a national minimum wage, you're assuming that the cost of living is equal across the board, and it's not. Yeah. Uh, so that's one. Secondly, mm -hmm. I don't know how you can tell somebody who's more than happy to work for ten dollars an hour. Uh, and would take the job for that. Yeah. Uh, too bad for you. It's 15 bucks an hour and I can hire anybody and it's, it's, everybody's equal. That doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. You know, I mean, basic economic forces come into play all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think you have a good point because I've seen it myself where people want to stop working at a certain point because they're afraid of losing government benefits. That happens constantly. Um, and then beyond that, I'm like, it's just the free market at work. At some point... Prices get driven down if you're able to keep your labor down. If you decide to raise everybody's wages, I guarantee you every company, and you and I are a little bit different because we're private companies. Imagine being a public company where you have to show positive growth every quarter. Yeah. That doesn't mm -hmm. work, especially when your labor costs just went up by 10, 15 percent. Well, your labor costs will always be a fixed number of your budget. And yeah. look at what look at what um, McDonald's is doing anyway. In in response to that they're putting in kiosks and you know they're doing as much as they can to get rid of employees you got to keep your labor so you straight. want that fifteen dollars an hour great but you're going to be one of three people working here <laughs> exactly you know well, mike you will literally be the manager or flipping a burger you will not be taking oh. drive-through money anymore yeah. yeah i've always had a point where i look at an employee that's not working a lot of hours Let's say I'm paying him $15 an hour, and he's working 30, 32 hours a week, all right? And I walk up to him, and I say, I didn't realize something. I said, you only need X amount of dollars to survive, right? So therefore, if you're only working 30, 32 hours a week, I should cut your wage at least $2 an hour, because then you'd have to work 40 hours a week to make the same amount of money. <laughs> I, just, I don't understand. I feel like... Um, and maybe, uh, I mean, I obviously have never, I guess it's not obvious, but I've never been on welfare, so I don't know. But, you know, when I got unemployment, to me, everything should have a natural end. It shouldn't be a forever thing. It's as soon as you get a full-time job, you should no longer get those benefits. Well, there isn't. Un unemployment, for sure. Well, yeah, well, but I'm talking definitely. about welfare. I, yeah. I feel like... There should be a natural end. And and to make people want to get out and take care of themselves, you should you theoretically say you now have a full-time job. 
you no longer need these benefits. But maybe you need to a, a certain extent. But I'm not against a social program. What? To I'm help them raise themselves up. I just, I, I guess I'm not one to be. I want to take care of myself. Nobody's opposed to the safety net. They're opposed to abuse of a safety net. Right. Yeah. That's anytime you start setting minimum expectations and minimum rules, you have any number of people who are going to do the bare minimum. Oh, absolutely. And that's what happens. Absolutely. So. Yeah. And they somewhat deserve what they get in that <coughs> situation. And that's a real hard thing to say about people. And, you know, I have a lot of people tell me, well, you know, you just have no heart. No. I I understand what's that to pull yourself up. I understand it was well than anybody out there. When I was growing up, my mom and dad, you know, my dad lost his job. My mom wasn't working. We had food stamps. So I guess technically that's welfare. You were on welfare. But they didn't, as soon as my dad got a job, it, we, they got rid of it. It was, I mean, and it was like six months. Well, not only that, I I would imagine your dad had a certain amount of pride. Well, he did what he had to do to take care of his family. But and I'm sure he, that he was, was very happy, hard. But he was happy to get off the stamps and, and provide for himself. That gives you a certain amount of self-esteem and pride. You're, I'm able to take care of my family. That's my job. I'm the husband of this family. I'm the man of this family. My job is to try to do my best to take care of my family. If I need food stamps to do this for a while, then I need food stamps. If I need, yeah, if I need I unemployment I to do this, I need unemployment. The flip side is, uh, I will tell you just, and again, I, I don't like using personal examples as a rule of thumb because I think it's very dangerous, but when I worked overnight at a gas station, you'd have people, this is back when you actually had the, not the card, but the, the fake dollars or whatever. Yes. Area. They would come in and buy a Jolly Rancher so they get 95 cents back. Mm-hmm. You know, and then they would send all their kids in one by one and buy a Jolly Rancher and they'd end yeah. up with oh, 10 bucks. And, um, or they'd sell them on the corner, you know, in the parking lot and, you know, they'd sell you 50 bucks with the food stamps for 25 bucks and one. I, I see know? people do That's it all the time that are on food stamps or on WIC or whatever. Sure. We would go, you know, you're in the grocery store and you just, you're like, what the hell? How are you? Look at what you're buying. You know, like you. I sure. guess to your point, it's it's the abuse of it. You could buy like, ice cream. You could buy candy bars. You could buy oh, all yeah. the shit you want. Yeah, Except you can buy you food. Buy, yeah. You couldn't buy some things that you're like, why can't you buy this sandwich? But you can buy a Jolly Rancher and a Reese's. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I have one disagreement, with Chris, about manufacturing because I, I think our education system is geared very hard to push kids towards college. And, and we've been talking about this at the Home Builders Association with the labor market and different things, is that we really need to reach out to our education systems. And it's hard to get into guidance counselors. Guidance counselors want their kids to go to college mm-hmm. in these schools. That's, that's what they're totally geared for. And we come and talk to them, it's kind of like, get out of here. You know, we don't really want to hear why some kid should have to go two years to a, a Votex center. But in the manufacturing industry, there's so much more technology in it that they're using less and less people to do the manufacturing, but it requires a much higher skilled workforce that needs to be trained to be able to run computers, to run lasers, to do laser burning and different things like this. And I think that the United States can provide this workforce. Yeah, we don't just And, and I think we can provide that type of manufacturing where we do bring more manufacturing jobs home if we have an educated workforce that is geared even out of high school. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of retraining. You need to go into this, and we can bring more jobs. This will make us more prosperous. This will make us, you know, a better country because we're taking care of ourselves and not shipping this stuff in. 
Mm -hmm. So yeah. I, 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 I think there is some of that out there that, that is extremely possible with the new technology that's happening in today's world. I, I think that people, we had this notion where you went to trade schools if you were, you know, an educator or couldn't afford college. Then it became this thing where college is the American dream, so everybody gets to go to college, which is why we have this amazing unfunded debt sitting out there. And people who thought to be successful, I have to go to college. And now I think you're starting to see a shift back to, actually, you don't need college at all. What you need are the skills to do the job that you're going to want to do. And I hope that becomes embraced because there is no magic to getting an English degree of any kind. Well, we have Brian Massey in here, you know, our original data analysis, obviously a brilliant young man. And I asked him straight up the other day when we were having the rum tasting up here, I said, out of your four years of college, what do you really think you got out of it? He said, about two years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, he's very honest about it. You know, well, and there's so many kids. I mean, it's been happening since 2008 that, you know, they have said over and over, we, we were told that we had to have this degree, but there's no job for me to, to, to move into. And businesses need to start looking at this in a different way. The HR department needs to start looking at this in a different way. And college education needs to be looked at in a different way, too, to where maybe we gear kids coming out of high school where we're starting to focus them on what they want to do in reality and what's a good-paying job when they get out, mm -hmm. and then gear their education towards that. And if they could get that education in two years with less debt, mm -hmm. that would be an intelligent design. And, yeah. and right now, this whole education system, especially once you get out of high school, is about the money. Yeah. And that's and that is well, not colleges conductive are to yeah. bringing our youth up and making them productive youth. Exactly. And this is just something I feel very strongly about. There's there's a huge, huge problem here. And well they don't it, teach it's small side they of level. It's teach. very complicated. But there's things that can be done and I and I predict in the next twenty years and maybe we need to save this for the next podcast mm. that, that there will be an evolution in this. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I want to talk about. I had a couple of other heavier subjects that um, that I was gonna mention, like uh, like Flint and a couple other things. But I, I actually want to move on, and it's actually purely purely because of time. To tell you the truth, um, and talk about just some of the um, some of the fun and silly things <laughs> that. Uh, happened in uh, 2016. First of all, uh, I want to mention purely because um, uh, I'm, a, I'm a Chicagoan and uh, at heart and, you know, born and raised there. And so what I want to, what I want to mention uh, is uh, Cubs win. Cubs <laughs> win. <laughs> Uh, this is from the Southside boy, by the way. Yeah, right? for yeah, and this is the Southside. He's, he's got homies that are railing on him right now. Oh, absolutely, and I know this, but you know, but you gotta admit, after a hundred years, was it over a hundred years? Uh, yeah, I was all about it. Yes, I was all about it. Oh, wait. I'm a Red Sox fan, and I was all about it. Yeah, I mean, after but over a hundred years, that was Steve Epstein, my man. Oh, yeah, after over a hundred years, the Cubs win the pennant. And uh, that's uh, that. That felt good. And I will say, also, 
uh, predicted by the movie Back to the Future. That's true. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Which I thought was hilarious that uh, Marty McFly. <laughs> Wrong year, though. Wrong year. No, it, it said. Uh, I it thought it was off by a year. It too. was off by a year. Was, was it 2015? Yeah. It oh, okay, okay, okay. But because they talked say. about how good their record was the year before. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, they yeah, yeah. they really thought was this going to be the year, and then it wasn't. Then it wasn't. Yeah. But pretty damn close. Hey. Hey, I'm not mad at it. And I'm probably one of the only people who was disappointed by it. And not that I don't like the Cubs. I love the Cubs. Uh, There is just... When you think about stories in baseball, Mm -hmm. that was an incredible story. Mm -hmm. Like, you just... They remind me of the Cleveland Browns. Like, you just... Every year in and year out, you kind of want them to make it. Right, right. <laughs> you kind of don't. You kind of don't. losers. Yeah. And the Cubs were always like that. Yeah, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. think of just, I mean, the Bartman year will be one of the most famous years in baseball history. If they had won the World Series that uh, year, yeah, that yeah, becomes yeah. less interesting. Yeah, it becomes less interesting. But that yeah. is now one of the most amazing stories in baseball. Absolutely. And the fact that that's dead makes me a little sad. <laughs> I'm extremely happy for the city of Chicago. And obviously you and I both have an affinity for the city. And of course. Quite a bit. So. Of course. Um, I do like that. Of course. Uh, and 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 on to a few silly things. Uh, uh, one, um, the, 2016, the year that Snapchat exploded um, uh, it, with uh, a lot of help from uh, celebrities like uh, DJ Khaled, who uh, really redefined what Snapchat could even be used for and uh, and made it one of the most exploding social media platforms, which um, I, I must admit um, I didn't see coming. Um, except, I will say this, because uh, the anonymous female and I have had this conversation before, uh, anything cool, um, whether it's uh, music or tech gadgets or whatever, or your food. Uh, generally, uh, look toward teenage girls. Oh, I I, uh, I got Snapchat. What it, I think it started in 2012, 2013. Some, something maybe. like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I started looking at that when my daughter started using it, and I was like, I need to know what she's doing because that was also when they were talking about the whole. Um, it was really popular with teens because they disappear in eight seconds. Yeah, so people so they you were sending, take a picture and it's sending nudes it or was, whatever. It was just snap porn. That was all it yeah. was when it started. Yeah. But now that you're on it, I guarantee your daughter's on to something else. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> she still does Snapchat, but yes, people she do, is. But, they're, yeah, they're but I, I always now. try to ask her ever so often. Um, you know, and Mario and I actually had this started having this conversation when Rihanna uh, became a teenager about you know teenage girls. Really, they're the ones that want the newest gadgets. They use them the most. They, you know, just yeah. it is amazing to me. Most how of your entertainment fast and fan entertainment. My daughter can text. Oh yeah, it is ridiculous. How fast she texts. 
Yeah, it's 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 like a like a secretary in the fifties. She be like like three hundred words a minute on on text. I I can't even use my thumbs to do it. It's a one finger deal. Yeah, man. And and I hit so many wrong letters. It's oh, absolutely. And then auto auto correct is always there to screw you up even worse. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. But yeah, Siri certainly doesn't understand me at all. So talking to Siri and me is like. (laughs) They yeah, take total adventure in white. Siri <laughs> understands compared to what I say. Exactly. She uh, she definitely keeps us. Uh, um, not that we're not, you know. I mean, we we kind of read up on stuff and yeah. we like technology, and but she definitely keeps us a little bit ahead of yeah, what ahead our of what our circle kind of knows about. Exactly. How old is your daughter now? She's seventeen. Yeah, we're 17, safe. get ready to go off to college. About ready to go uh, off. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, some of the stupid challenges that came out in 2016. I mean... I do have to admit, though, the ice bucket challenge. I mean, it, it did... Yeah, which 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 was the thing in 2015. It was a, mm-hmm. uh, the ice bucket challenge. But in 2016, you had... Uh, the the mannequin challenge, which yeah, I don't uh, even know yeah. where that one's that's been fun to watch. Which is which which those videos are fun to watch, but it was, but but it just seemed just it just goofy. The well, water bottle okay. challenge. It's which, okay to be goofy every once in a while. Oh, right? absolutely, it is absolutely. Go, 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 goofy's Goofy's a good thing because <laughs> you know we got way too much serious shit in our uh, you know world right now. So for, play, for people just to have fun and, and, with something, and, hey, I'm all about it. Yeah, I'm all about it. The water bottle challenge. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. To Just, the point of um, the basketball NBA's, players got into yeah, that. Yeah, getting, yeah, Almost getting in trouble. Yeah, for it. yeah. Like yeah, they're <laughs> they're during NBA games. Their water bottle challenge on the sidelines is crazy. It, the other one that I thought was just really ridiculous, and of course you only saw videos of high school kids doing it, but uh, the uh, the backpack challenge where they. Basically, had to run through uh, a, a line of people on both sides and just get whacked in the head with backpacks as they went along. Well, and if they're as <laughs> heavy was they, as was they my trying sons, to take the backpacks off of them? No, they no. were throwing them at the people. Yeah, like pits. I guess it was just to see if you could make it through the line. Yeah, I guess. But and it was they just... were as heavy as my son's backpack. Oh. We, yeah, the, somebody the got a concussion nurse. from the backpack. Job. Yeah, his backpack was 75 pounds. He carried around all the time. Yeah, because yeah, he never went to his locker. He hated going to his locker, so yeah. he carried everything in his backpack. Did he keep it on both shoulders or on one? <laughs> he he actually kept it on both shoulders. Cause, That's smart. Because he was well, one he's a big dude. He was he just he was in the Marines. It probably didn't and, feel like it because he was empowered. Yeah. So I'm like, well, your backpack in the Marines is actually 15 pounds lighter, so you I, should be I, good. I, you should be all right. I used to hike the Appalachian Trail and be gone for weeks at a time back in my day when I was living in New England. Oh, yeah. And, and, and my pack with all my gear in it and everything else, and you're up in the mountains, though, even in the summertime, you had to be prepared for a squall or a front to come mm-hmm. through and all of a sudden be snowing on you and 32 degrees in July. I mean, that could happen up there. Mm-hmm. Well, so you had to be prepared for a lot of things. So our packs would be 70 pounds. Mm-hmm. I couldn't, yeah. I can't fathom a child having a 70. Or a teenager even having a 75-pound backpack. Well, I, you've, yeah. you've seen Austin, so 
Yeah. I mean, he's yeah, six he's, three, yeah, and at the time he was one hundred and eighty pounds. So. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was just yeah, a boy. solid, just a solid muscle. Yeah. Nice. I'm six. I'm I'm six foot two forty. Yeah. 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 I don't want to carry that damn thing anymore. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Mine was supposed to too because I hated going back to my locker for stuff. But uh, back then it was it was only cool to sing it on one shoulder. Shoulder. Like yeah. You were wearing it. Oh, on wearing shoulder, it. Yeah. Were you and carrying they, it on this always shoulder? Always on my shoulder. And they they came out later and said that was one of the biggest causes of back problems in young kids in that whole generation that I came from. Oh yeah. Oh no, I just practice gloves. Oh yeah. <laughs> the the ice bucket challenge was 2015, but it actually raised enough money that in 2016 it had they had breakthroughs in in ALS, in ALS yeah, absolutely because of it. So absolutely, yes, it was a year ago. But well, I had a friend of mine died from ALS. Oh wow, okay, a very good friend of mine. And Eric was made me look like a shrimp, and I'm a big boy. Uh-huh. Eric was six foot five, oh. good two sixty. And he wouldn't, he wouldn't didn't have a lot of fat on his body. He was just a big man. And to watch a man fail, yeah, had the mental, and then fail. The, the coolest thing was about Eric is that number one, he lived about another year longer than anybody else with ALS does. Is that we would still take him out to the bars with us. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, he partied his ass off with us. Mm-hmm. The only problem was is that when we he had to go to the bathroom and somebody had to get him out. Yeah. So we were. Surgical gloves. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Interesting. And, and the problem true. was, and this is the funny part of it. So you, you had to, one guy had to hold him up, the other guy had to get him out so he could do a leak, right? And th- this went too far along into it that he couldn't unzip himself. And he always looking at him and say, "I love you, man." <laughs> and I said, "No, you don't tell me. I love you." <laughs> not, 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 <laughs> not in this moment. We were performing this function, but the coolest thing about Eric was that, and this is a little off subject, but. He would always, we'd take him home and we'd always say, thanks for stopping by. So when he died, it said, on his tombstone, it says, Eric Cholet, thanks for stopping by. That's awesome. That is cool. That's righteous. A weird piece of uh, baseball history because ALS is obviously Lou Gehrig's disease. Yes. Lou Gehrig played his last baseball game in Kansas City. Oh, wow. It was a spring training game uh, that they played over at uh, the old Memorial Stadium up in Brooklyn. Nice. So there's a little clock there. It's very nice. I think the last thing um, that I had on my list, um, I had a few other things on my list, but I, but like I said, for time, I'm cutting it down a little bit. Uh, last thing I had on my list was uh, new money. Uh, Harriet Tubman going to be on the twenty dollar bill. Um, not uh, not completely taking Hamilton off the twenty dollar bill, um, but they're going to do. Um, twenty dollar bills with Harriet Tubman. Yeah, which I think is awesome. Yeah, I about to say you know, so it's kind of you know, it's kind of um, currency should change. Yeah, well, it should change, but you know, it just got me to thinking in uh, in an era where you know we had the uh, first African American president, um, and then to then get the first African American uh, person on American currency. Um, that, uh, for me personally, uh, is a, a tremendous point of pride. And, and, uh, so I, th- I thought that, uh, new money should get mentioned on the list of 2016. I always thought Frederick Douglass would have been a good one. You know, I d- actually did too. Um, cause he was an amazing actually, man in a lot of ways and a politician and, yeah, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a changer. 
Yeah, but I say I would have thought him. I would have thought. Uh, You've always looked at Martin Luther King. Uh, I would have thought. Uh, yeah, too soon, I think. Uh, yeah, like from Martin the, uh, would be eventually be a, a good person to put on there. I would agree, but you don't yeah. have FDR on currency. You don't have a lot of. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting. I, I am. When are they am, putting her on? You know what? I, I don't know. When I that thought actually it was like starts. by 2020 or I, something I think, like that. I think that sounds about right, yeah. I'm, I'm definitely, absolutely, clearly not opposed to having her own currency. I wish they would invent a different currency. You know, like I really wish instead of taking somebody off of, like Hamilton, if people know what Hamilton did, one, he was the first Secretary of the Treasury. He's the only time uh, in America, first time in American history that we had no national debt. That's because he established a national bank. He wasn't American either. He was from, uh, I believe, Trinidad and Tobago. So yep. uh, it was a very interesting thing to choose him over all the other people that they could have chosen, which made me a little sad. And there are a lot of other people who are on there who aren't presidents, including Ben Franklin. Yeah. He yanked his ass off of it. Yeah. All the, you know, congratulations for flying a kite around. <laughs> you know, but, and he did a bunch of other stuff, but he was fine. But, you know, out of the people who deserve to be booted, yeah. I was sad that they that it was Hamilton as opposed yeah, to people I thought yeah. were more worthless or less deserving of being on currency. Gotcha. And I don't think currency should change. I think they should think of new currency. Yeah. Now, you know, I, I, I actually kind of agree. But we, we've had other currency in the past that they've gotten rid of. So, I mean, I guess... $2, do they, I don't think they still make the $2 season man thing. Uh, oh, no, that was Jefferson. The silver, the, the, yeah. silver dollar. With yeah. They do. They, you they, have they to ask them. Coins with Thomas Jefferson, was it? Mm. The fifty cent piece with uh, JFK, where they printed out all the silver pieces. Yeah, yeah. Susan B. Anthony. I still have one. Was a dollar. Silver dollar. But I don't remember the two dollar coin. That would have been. That would have been a good one. Why not just make up something new for fun? Yeah, We don't have a five dollar coin. No, actually, that would be kind of cool. If you look at the economics of paper money versus coins, yeah, coins last coins will last a lot longer than paper. I don't know. I just I don't believe in taking away an honor from somebody who deserved an honor to give to somebody else. Yeah. I believe in honoring somebody and making up something new so that they get honored in the right way. Exactly. That'd but cool. actually, uh, to 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 your point, and actually one of the things that was originally on my list, so I will leave it on my list uh, since you brought it up. Uh, Alexander Hamilton, uh, Hamilton, the the musical. Um, you know, I think. Um, Every so often in entertainment, and I use entertainment uh, broadly because, you know, there's so many forms, but I think every so often in entertainment there is a presentation that is so uh, so fresh and so new that uh, it kind of redefines the genre. And uh, Hamilton, the musical, um, it's definitely... Uh, redefined uh, a, a Broadway musical and had, an had a serious impact that I think we will see reverberate uh, into um, how musicals are uh, put on and the the types of. Uh, Aren't there a lot of firsts with that one? Yeah, I mean it's an all minority cast. Uh, it's, it was it, written the, by a minority. Yeah, it was, yeah. Was written, I mean, it was. Not only that, they're teaching rap. young people. Yeah, about yeah, history. they were. They, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, the they most, found a way to, me, to do to history. To me, that's the it, most important thing is young people don't know about this stuff. You can ask most young people about anything about history, especially from FDR beyond. 
And, and they hardly know what the hell they're talking about. They haven't been taught this. And I think that's, you know, especially I look at Chris. I mean, I get decent historical knowledge, but Chris is a, a plethora of historical <laughs> knowledge. And, and it's, it's important to understand our country. Absolutely. Our history is important to us. You need to get out there on podcast land and read some about your history. It's important. Get it, you know? Yeah, I, I, I fully I fully <laughs> agree. Uh, and Hamilton is just my favorite. Like, people talk about founding fathers. Well, the, the, they were just a bunch of dudes who hated Who each hated other each other's guts, like, yeah. But Hamilton was maybe, I think, had the most foresight of anybody in terms of shaping the direction that this country would go. Yeah. Was an absolute Federalist all the way. Believed in a strong national government. You kind of got to put Jefferson in that, too, because Jeff... Jeff- Jefferson, Jefferson was completely wrong on almost all his political theories. But he had, but he, but he was, he, he had, he, he, he tried very hard to shape what he, what he saw as his. He tried very hard, and if we lived in a world of Jeffersonian politics, it'd be a mess. It would be state rights that were ruling the federal government all the time. All the time. Although, when it was convenient for him, he decided to do one of the most illegal acts in American history, which was the uh, Louisiana Purchase, which was absolutely prohibited by the Constitution, but he did it anyway. Oh, it worked! Uh, again. Come on, man. He was a visionary that way. No, no, no. That's just being loose with your principles. He was a visionary. If you read his writings, he was a visionary so in terms why? of you know, rights. Every and, once in a while, you got to go rogue. I think he just was rogue. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think he actually had any true principles. I think he was just a guy who went along with the flow. And, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, really it, I mean, if you really, you know, he was, was, was certainly gifted. Yeah, I mean, I think if you he really, had some good quotes. I mean, okay. yeah, so yeah, yeah. yeah. Adams, you would have to you would have to defend what they called the X Y Z Act, where it was one of the most racist acts of American history, where they were uh, barring people and arresting them at random and doing all those kinds of things. Even Lincoln suspended the Constitution and people arrested for no reason. Yeah, you know, I, I think Hamilton literally had the foresight to say, no, we need a strong national currency. We need a very strong national government that supersedes state rights, so that we can actually get shit done. And, uh, you know, doesn't deserve his... He gets a lack of credit for his role in history. So I'm glad, glad and stunned that this... That, yeah, that that, that this was the story, yeah. 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 It's him, first off, and that is a bit... I would have liked to have seen it when the... Original cast. Yeah, yeah, because he has since retired from his role and is working on other stuff. Yeah, and, and, yeah, and the traveling company may... Uh, may look like the original company, but uh, I don't think any of the original players are going to be in the traveling company as it moves around the country. And well, once you get past, you they made a crap load of money. Yeah. yeah, this is very yeah, true. Yeah. You seen what them people are getting paid? Oh, absolutely, they're making money. Yeah. So he, well, I can't remember so. what they said. Yeah. They gave him. Uh, oh, Moana. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. He worked on the entire. Yeah, yeah he did the soundtrack for Moana. For Moana yeah, wow, that's awesome. Yeah, so. for Disney. Yeah, that's cool. That's mm-hmm. a big gig. Yeah, yeah, that's a huge gig. It's amazing to me that you go from. Was that his first play? No, second, second. Um, I'm trying to remember. Was the it his name. first big play? Uh, no, actually, his first his first production was a Broadway production, and it uh, got critically acclaimed, but it was nowhere near. Uh, and the did he kind of ground. He was, yeah, he was also in it. Okay, so 
going but, from that mm-hmm. to, to an ex- Disney to an explosive. <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, going from his first play where, where it was very well received, very critically acclaimed, but not nearly as well attended or anything like that to. Uh, something explosive Hamilton. like like Hamilton, and yeah. he was and, working on something else too at yeah. the same time. Mm-hmm. And now and, and now getting uh, get, getting some of that Disney money. Yeah, <laughs> we're not mad at you, Lin Manuel. We're not mad at you doing Hamilton. All all three of them at the same time, and I think you know that was the one thing that could continue on right <laughs> without yeah. him yeah. was the play. Sure. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. This is a side note and. This certainly doesn't have to make the podcast. You can edit it up, but it was something that made me think of you the other day. Mm. Because I was thinking of how many projects JJ Abrams must work on at one time. We actually were talking about JJ Abrams yesterday. JJ Abrams (laughs) and freaking um, Michael Bay. Yeah, I'm like, like the two of them. They, if it's sci-fi, movies I haven't seen lately (laughs) that hasn't had one of them. It's Somehow involved in it. Yeah. And if you think of the average length that it would take to make like a Star Wars, that's probably yeah. a three that's year That's a two to three year investment of time, yeah. At the same time you're rebooting the Star Trek franchise, at the same time you're developing Westworld and yeah, doing it, all these other things. Yeah, 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 yeah. nuts. Yeah. Plus you gotta think, On top of residual business from Lost and all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and he does all the Star Trek movies. Yeah, yeah well, so and, and the, the uh, oh, and the, uh, he did, what was he did the, the, he did, um, Episode seven, right? That's yes, he directed. Yeah. He directed. Seven. Yeah, I'm trying to remember the other, the one with the giant alien. What was that? Giant uh, Alien Cloverfield? Cloverfield. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. yeah, cause that was a Cloverfield movie. I mean, all out. of those must be in at least semi-development at the same a- at time. At the same time. Not to yeah. mention the residual business you have from things you've already done. Exactly. Where they exactly. need your, you know, your con, you got to read over contracts. Exactly. Talk about I'm like, yeah, that dude. Well, and he owns a production company, doesn't he? Bad Robot. Yeah. yeah. Bad yeah. Robot. Bad Robot, indeed. Yeah. So, so sorry, that was a No, you're good, you're good. Anyway, out there podcast land, uh, we, um, here at the Loft Party Podcast, uh, and me personally, uh, your host, Rio, I uh, have to say that I am uh, eternally grateful for uh, all of you out there who have been uh, tuning in and listening to us uh, give you uh, our views on today's topics and politics and such for the past uh, almost year. Um, 2016 has been uh, spectacular for me personally and for the Love Party Podcast, and I am more than looking forward to uh, providing you the same, if not uh, even more, quality content in 2017. So, here, here. Uh, Love Party's 2016 year in review will be uh, the last podcast of. 2016, but that is not to say we won't be right back at the top of the year with Loft Party Podcasts uh, looking forward. We're going to uh, look forward into 2017 uh, on a personal level, a political level, a social level, and uh, see if we are reading the tea leaves properly and telling you everything that uh, you need to know. And hopefully we'll be keeping a little track to see if some of our predictions come true. And with that, I am going to end this podcast the same way I end all podcasts. And that is with the toast that kind of started it off for me. And that is to good times with good people.